Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Before I go into um, what I'm here to talk about today, I just want to talk about David. I love reading about David in the Old Testament. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Reading about David gives me hope. And I'll tell you why, because he wasn't just a great man of God, but he was a great man of God that was flawed. We can read about him not only to be inspired, but we also take note of where things went wrong for him. But God used him and blessed him anyway. The Lord elevated this former shepherd boy into a king. Stories in the Old Testament are there to act as a foreshadow to the New Testament. In other words, God put these stories in place to show us how we can live for Jesus today. Amen? We are part of his church in this day and age. And his His love is what we need to show to the world so that we live. Amen? Previous to David becoming king of Israel, he's one of the attendants in the palace of King Saul. Now, to cut a long story short, Saul developed a bit of a dislike to David. He tried to kill him several times. And he even sent men all over Israel try and capture him and kill him. However, David's pursuers didn't know their God as well as David did. Because if they knew their God as well, they would have discovered that was a futile pursuit. Why? Because no weapon formed against David could prosper. That's what the Word of God says in Isaiah 54, 17. He was God's anointed. God wasn't going to let anything happen to him. So let that be a lesson for us as God's people. What trial is pursuing you this morning? Are you getting a hard time at work? Are you getting a hard time with a family member? Whatever it may be. The enemy is trying to derail God's best for your life. What someone or circumstance is Satan using on you? I just want to give you a quick reminder that when God has set a purpose for you in your life and you walk in obedience and faithfulness to him, no external enemy, whether natural or spiritual, is going to get in the way of that destiny being fulfilled. Amen? Amen. David was often called a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he let God fight the battles for him. You know, if you can envisage standing there Here's me, here's my problem. All you need to do is to step out of the way and to borrow an American football um, terminology, just let the God the linebacker go through and steamroller what your enemy has got planned for you, amen? The one who is more than able. In the midst of David's trial, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 36, David found strength in the Lord his God. What, what can that mean? 
One of Satan's best weapons is that he likes to deploy against Christians is distraction. Distraction can lead to forgetfulness. Just as how Israel, throughout its ancient history, was quick to forget how great God is. We have to remember the goodness of God in our lives. We stand on the authority of God's word, amen? Because that's what will sustain us in the bad times. That's why testimony is important. The Bible says that we overcome by it. Revelation 12, 11. Our collective faith memory is like the petrol tank of a car. Testimonies are faith tank fillers, amen? What else is a faith tank filler? You have to remember God's goodness and faithfulness in your life. We can't walk this Christian, Christian walk running on empty. That's part of what living life by the Spirit is. In David's wilderness years, when he was on the run, he didn't try to deal with the issue in his own strength. Psalms 27 verse 1-2 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Sometimes all you've got to work with is the word of God. That's all you've got to stand on sometimes. But what I wanted to focus on this morning, uh, what the Lord has dropped in my heart is to talk to you about a story of when now King David, as he became, met a crippled man called Mephibosheth. As I said before, the Old Testament foreshadows the new. This story mirrors our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ in so many ways. You see all around the hall here, we have a number of posters with some words. They sum up what this church is all about. There are calm words, amen? What we've been placed in Dunstable for, you'll recognize some of these words in the story of David and Mephibosheth. Because in this story, David shows compassion. David's, David offers companionship. David offers communion. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's have a read of 2 Samuel chapter 9. Not too lengthy. So David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. So King David had him bought from Lodibar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you the kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'll restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, 
What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame at both feet. Now, Mephibosheth came to David fearful. In verse 7 of 2 Samuel, David had to say to Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. Mephibosheth could be forgiven for having good reason to be afraid. Like, for example, we have a queen that reigns in our country, right? She resides down there in Buckingham Palace or Balmoral or wherever else she is. And, you know, God bless her. God save the queen. I'm no Republican. <laughs> She's our official head of state, right? But in reality, she holds little authority. But back in David's time, when the king spoke, it is done. The king's word could speak life or death. The king, David, was capable of showing compassion and mercy. But I want to remind you this morning that when David was also, when he was ready, he was also a man of ruthlessness, utter ruthlessness. Make no mistake about that. An example of that is, and I, I don't want to go into too much detail due to time, but it's in 2 Samuel 21 if you want to read. But there came a time when Israel came into famine. And in order to alleviate the land um, of, of famine, a group of people called the Gibeonites asked of David to take the lives of seven of King Saul's descendants because that's why there was famine Saul in the land. Saul um, did a bad thing with them previously. God brought famine to the land. The, Gim the Gibeonites could have asked David for almost anything, but they had to ask for that. So you know what David said to that? Fine, no problem. Him, 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 and him. Utter ruthlessness. He was no soft touch. But for Mephibosheth's sake, uh, for Jonathan's sake, he spared Mephibosheth. So in the light of that ruthlessness, can you imagine the absolute terror in Mephibosheth's heart when he, he heard that knock on his door from the king's guard? Mephibosheth, this was the grandson of the man who tried to kill the king. He was the laying low out there in, in Lodibar, keeping himself quiet all this time, living in another man's house. But one day, bang, 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 knock on the door. Open the door in the name of the king. Mephibosheth, you must come with us at once. How must he have felt? Ooh, I'm done for. It's not like he could do a runner. But when he got to David's palace, 
Instead of condemnation, he received exaltation. David tried to put him at ease. David says, don't be afraid. For Jonathan's sake, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bless you. And that's what God is saying to us. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Amen? Most of us here might not be tackling life with any sort of severe physical dif- uh, disability. But there are other ways, though, which we may feel. One may feel inadequate. Satan likes to try and remind us of our inadequacies. Let's mention where Mephibosheth was living. He was in a place called Lodibar. The literal English translation of that place named Lodibar is no pasture land, barren land where little, if anything at all, grows, a place of little hope, a place where productivity is lacking. Mephibosheth was, you see, he was part of the kingdom, Israel. Correspondingly, we, as Christians, we're saved and We are part of the kingdom of God, but so often we can be in a place that's unproductive. It took the king, David, to bring him out of that and to seat him in the room and table of blessing. Like Mephibosheth, your disability, quote unquote, may have come about in your life through no fault of your own. You may be hindered financially Someone, somewhere in your life you may have suffered physical abuse or someone may have inflicted psychological or even sexual abuse. As Christians, we know that we're in the kingdom of God. We're saved. We love Jesus. But we can still not be at the king's table. We're not receiving the full blessing and offer from, what, uh, from God and that that blessing that offers hope and restoration. Negative thinking is natural. Easy for us to think that way. Verse 8, Mephibosheth described himself as a dead dog. Think about it. He could almost be forgiven for drawing to that conclusion. Just so with us sometimes. We can be so conditioned by our experiences, can't we? Mephibosheth can barely remember it being any other way. So people of God, we we have to be very careful about how we think and the words that come out of our mouth. Isn't it in Proverbs where it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he? Whether it's positive or negative, our words carry power. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. But you know, I like David's response to Mephibosheth. Because like David, God isn't going to respond to pity parties, amen? 
Mephibosheth saw himself one way, King David saw him another way. After Mephibosheth said that, David just says, okay, Ziba, sort this guy out. So here it is. I know that there's people here today that need to hear this. People that's been through some stuff and has come out of it hurt or scarred. And there's some of you probably going through some stuff right now. But God says that even in your brokenness, I want to restore you, amen? It's not that I, it's not that I don't care when I hear you cry out, but I want you to remember that I am the great I am. I made this world and I created this universe and above all that, I want to see you blessed. I know the end from the beginning. I want you to put your trust in me because I made you. I know that what makes you tick. You've been through some stuff, but guess what? I'm going to use that experience. That's, uh, it's not been a waste because others are going to hear about what I've done for you. I'm going to use your story, use your experience to help them, and they're going to help others. I'm going to transform you by the renewing of your mind. So your thoughts are my thoughts. Your ways are my ways. I'm going to return what the devil has stolen and restore what he has destroyed. You can and will do all things in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You're living in his presence. He's you're going to be feeding at that table of blessing with the nourishment of that good food that will enable you to do what I've called you to do. Because when the king speaks, it is done, amen? amen. David gave Mephibosheth back his birthright when he, the whole of his grandfather's estate was restored to him. He now has all this land. The Bible's not specific on how many acre, acres or hectares of land it may have been, but you can be sure it was a large amount of land. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Mephibosheth's land was no Lodibar. It was fertile, located in the tribal area of Benjamin, which was next to the Jordan River. So it's very fertile land. So you've got to realize that this land not only fed the household, it also made a contribution to feed the kingdom. There were states, there were estates in the kingdom of Israel that relied on places um, to keep, uh, that Israel relied on to keep famine from the land. So you see, when Mephibosheth took his place at the king's table, he wasn't just there to eat, drink, and be merry. Whether he was aware of it or not, as a landowner, he took on responsibility. His responsibility now was to provide for the kingdom. Now, I bring up all that to make that point very simply, that what God wants from us is to take up our responsibility. Amen? As individuals in the church, we have a purpose to fulfill. The train tracks. Perhaps you can bring it up on screen now to remind us. The great commission to bring the gospel to the world and also the great compassion, because we're here not only to be blessed, but be a blessing to others. Hallelujah. It's an important work 
Most of us are here to earn a living. Uh, many of us carry a, a lot of responsibility in our line of work day to day. You know, I'm a senior IT specialist. Lots of responsibility in my line of work. When customers and servers and applications stop working, who are they going to call? Wes, can you take a look? When upgrades need to be done, Wes, how long it's going to take? My poor fingers, like that half the time. But there is no other work in this world more important than to see people get delivered and get saved by accepting Jesus as Lord. Amen? Nothing more important. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Anything we do in this world is temporal. It will only last for as long as the world lasts, yes? But when souls are saved, the result is going to last for an eternity. Are you excited about that? I am. Praise God. The Bible says that this world will pass away, but you and me are created to last forever. Ecclesiastes 13, 11, and I love the way the Amplified Version puts it. It says, God has set eternity in the hearts of man. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Hallelujah. Our souls are eternal. When our mindset shifts towards that, our perspective changes, amen? Then our thoughts truly become like God's. Mephibosheth was lame. He won't be much use out there in the field with a shovel. But how's he going to provide crops? But, you see, that didn't matter anymore. Because when he was in the presence of the king... God made the provision for him, amen? Even in our brokenness, prayer said it a few weeks ago, we can't live by God, live for God by being lukewarm in our faith. God doesn't want that. See Revelation 3.16, God wants our all. Carl Johnston put it another way, guy that spoke here a few weeks ago about being connected to the vine. The true vine, that is, so that our lives will bear fruit. If we want to stop being lukewarm in our faith, if we want to stay connected, we have to get and stay in the presence of the King. Amen? Now, the Lord is saying it to you this way. You may be in the kingdom, but if you want to receive what I have for you, at my table of blessing, you must get into my presence because never mind our faults, never mind our foibles, never mind our ailments, never mind our bad experiences, we've all had them. You just get into my presence and watch what I can do through you because my grace is sufficient. 
It starts in your mind. Romans 12.2 talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind and no longer conforming to the patterns of this world. That's what being in the presence of God does. Allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, to transform you, and to work through you. Amen? Second Corinthians 12.9 says, But he, the Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. If you're sitting in that loaded bar place in your life, God is here for you today to, to, to turn that around. When God calls you into something, he'll make the provision for you to get the job done. Whatever he has called you to do, even if you may be deficient in somewhere of your, area of your life, amen? Um, I'm, ra- I'm wrapping up now, so perhaps the worship team can come back as I draw to a close. But we've got a bit of time this morning, and perhaps if anything I've said has resonated with you this morning, we've got time to pray. Please come forward. I want to pray for three different things. For, uh, for example, for the first thing is, those of you who may be broken in some way. Do you feel broken? Do you feel broken in your self-esteem, in your relationship, in your marriage? Whatever it may be, we may be in the kingdom. Has some life experience in the past caused you to be weighed down by disappointment, persecution, Rejection, betrayal, guilt, offense. Is it robbing you of your peace this morning? Then come and accept the invitation from the king and take your place at his table this morning. In his presence. He's right here. Come as you are. That's how God wants you. David didn't wait for Mephibosheth to be miraculously healed. I, I tell you that God can restore you, amen? We want to pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to you in this situation. We want to pray that God can take the pain of your experience and minister to minister to others. What the devil meant for bad, God can make for good, amen? We want to pray that God can heal. It's like trying to climb steps with heavy bags. How relieved do you feel when someone comes along to help, to help you with that burden? God is here to lift any burden this morning, amen? We want to pray that you can see yourself the way God sees you. God, God doesn't just want you restored so that you can be productive. He wants to restore you simply because He loves you. His love is unconditional. Loves you more than you ever know. Also, I'd like to pray for those who may want a closer communion or relationship with Jesus. 
Mephibosheth couldn't be in communion with the king in Lodibar. He couldn't be in communion with the king on the streets of Jerusalem. He couldn't even be in communion with the king in the corridor of the palace. He had to be in the king's presence. Do you desire to be in the king's presence this morning? Do you want to be connected to the vine more? With God himself, we can pray for you here. The sad thing about Mephibosheth's story, and I didn't have the time to share with share this in the nine o'clock service, but the sad thing was that he kind of lost his blessing. Why? Because he went out of step with the king. If you read on in 1 Samuel chapter 19, David had to flee Jerusalem from his own son, Absalom. He was leading an insurgence against him. And to show loyalty, Mephibosheth should have gone with him. But when David later on was restored as king, he point blank asked him, Mephibosheth, why didn't you go with me? And Mephibosheth blamed his servant, Zeba, and Zeba blamed Mephibosheth, and he was all a right old mess. Somewhere along the line, Mephibosheth lost communion and companionship with King David. Ask yourself this, if David had got to know him very well at the table, who would he have believed? Let that be a lesson for us, amen? Let's not get out of step with the Lord by neglecting his presence in our lives. It's not that he leaves us, he's right there. We're the ones that can be prone to move away, amen? Finally, I want to bring up David as the king of judgment. He spared Mephibosheth from the Gibeonites for Jonathan's sake. It wasn't anything that Mephibosheth did or said that saved him. It was by grace of the king and his love for his servant. I want to let you know that we serve a God who loves you and cares for you more than anyone on earth has ever loved you before. God made you to love you. If you're hearing this for the first time, please take note. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross so that you can come into communion or relationship with him. That is God's desire for you today. In the Bible, it says, John 6, verse 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, giving him the desire to come to me, and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. The feeling that you have in your heart to attend church today and receive the gospel of Jesus came from God. God put it in your heart today. Don't let doubt or fear get in the way this morning. Let that feeling of hope and peace override it instead. God's desire is for you to come and know him. We all have a free will, but if you want to know what God's will is, Jesus put it this way in John 6:40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. 
and I will raise him up on the last day. Just as how Mephibosheth didn't know King David until they met, but the king sought him out, brought him out of a place of no hope and brought him into his presence. That's what God wants to do for you today. Amen. He will satisfy you when he comes to live in you. You will know peace. You will be fulfilled. Even through trials and difficulties. Try Jesus today. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.